Welcome to the Disruptor Series Podcast, Adweek's Agency Podcast of the Year. Every episode, we listen to and learn from people who are disrupting business, culture, and life. Here are your hosts, Asha Davis and Rob Schwartz. Well, thank you for tuning in. Our guest today is Will Burns, the founder and CEO of Ideasicle. Will is a Madison Avenue warrior, having worked at great shops like Wyden and Kennedy, Goodby and Arnold. About a decade ago, he left the day-to-day grind of the agency world to work on an idea that can actually help the agency world and brands directly. Today, that idea is called Ideasicle, and we will dive into it more right now. Will Burns, welcome to the Disruptor Series podcast. Thanks for having me, Rob. I appreciate it. Excellent. All right. Now, this Ideasicle thing, I want you to tell us about it, and I want to understand why it's not available in our grocer's freezer. (laughs) Well, there's a funny story behind that, because uh, Ideasicle is not a frozen confection. So let's just start right there. But uh, interestingly... Hold on, on, Asha. All the questions we prepped, I think we're screwed now, because we really wanted to dive into how you managed to make a wonderful ice cream so low calorie. (laughs) <laughs> oh, well, so this is not what Ideasicle is. I'm sorry. Should we just stop the interview right here? <laughs> We're just going to roll through. No problem. Tell um, us about Ideasicle. Yeah. So when I first started Ideasicle, it was a closed system. It was not an open platform like it is now. And I had my own freelancers that I went to. I had my own clients that I pitched and all that kind of stuff. And it was interesting. The original identity for Ideasicle riffed on the Popsicle. And it was done by Wade Devers, who's this fantastic designer out of the Boston area. And we got a cease and desist from Unilever, from Popsicle, that basically said, you can't use the name and you can't use the frozen confection icon in our logo at the time. And my lawyers and $10,000 later fought it and were able to at least keep the name because there was precedent, there were other companies that had sickle as the, at the end of their name, but we had to get rid of the frozen confection. So Wade being who Wade is, came back and said, you know what, let's just go generic. You remember those old beer cans from like 1940s and 50s that just mm. were, were yellow and they were just B-E-E-R in Helvetica, all caps. They're just generic beer. He was like, this is going to be your identity from now on. And it just is kind of an F you to Unilever for doing that to us. But it, was, it turned out great and it actually ended up being a better identity. So that's why it's not in yeah, aisle four right now. So it's not ice cream. I, you know, Ideasicle is what? What would we call this? What would the lay person, what would my mom call Ideasicle? Yeah, your mom would call it an idea machine. Hmm. And, and that's how I like to look at it. It's a platform and it's Ideasicle X now is what I call it to differentiate from the original closed system because now it's an open system where anyone can subscribe and they can recruit teams of four. We found through trial and error that four is the ideal number when working virtually. And these people can be anywhere in the world and they are invited into the platform. You can brief them right on the platform. They come up with ideas on what we call the idea stream, where the ideas just keep piling on each other and they can build and riff on each other's ideas as well. They're not competing. It's not like crowdsourcing where everybody's competing against each other for the quote winning idea. It's about working truly as a team where you might post a half baked idea, you're not sure what to do with it, but the rest of your team gets inspired by that and is like, whoa, let's turn this into something cool. 
And by the end of it, you end up with, you know, 40, 50 ideas and all the builds and riffs underneath it that you can export to a PDF and then distribute to your teams internally as an advertising agency to go really develop. It doesn't output perfect comps. What it outputs is lots of ideas to inspire your internal mm. teams. Yeah. And then you can pay the freelancers if you use outside freelancers right from the platform as well. We use Stripe as our financial backbone, so we don't see any of the transactions that all happens through them. But you can also bring in your own employees and put people together that you might not have otherwise put together in the past, or maybe it wasn't easy to. Now you can put a PR person, a couple of creatives, and maybe a cultural anthropologist together working on an assignment, and they all come at it from completely different perspectives. And that's where it really gets magical from my perspective. It's really interesting, you know, a couple of things that I'm just kind of gravitating towards in that. And, and the first is the group of four, right? It's a nice even number. It's a square. It, it looks nice on, even on a Zoom screen with, with four people, right? And it's, it's interesting to me because, I mean, I've been in many a brainstorm, let's just say that, and it's never only been four people. And you went through sort of trial and error. And one of the big, I think, barriers to getting to kind of breakthrough ideas and getting past, you know, crowd think and, and those types of phenomena is people feeling like they're actively contributing ideas and feeling like you can go down the rabbit holes that make sense, you know? And I, I'm just actually really curious about the theory around, you know, four people is what really gets us to something that's like a great, useful output, essentially. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, and, and it was trial and error. In the beginning, I put all 10 people on a project and it was fine. We got some good ideas, but what I found is that the freelancers were clamming up. They right. felt very much on stage. So I started reducing it. I got it down to five. And then one project, one of the five didn't show up and we only had four. Mm -hmm. And it was the best project we'd ever done. Wow. And so my theory is that with four, it's exponentially more than two, which mm -hmm. is typical because you get four different perspectives colliding but it's not so many that it feels like you're on stage where you can post some stupid ideas and be okay with that because let's face it, creativity requires a lot of stupid ideas in order to get to the good ones. So if people are holding back in fear, that's the worst thing. It's kryptonite to creativity. By the way, on this four, and I can already feel our friend Ernie Shank furrowing his eyebrows and sending me a nasty email that, Rob, it takes one <laughs> uh, that's what we need in a brainstorm, a brainstorm of one genius. But thank you, Ernie. We appreciate uh, your support. I think on the four, and Will, you and I have, have chatted about this in other venues. To me, there's something powerful about there is, number one, the generator. Someone has the idea. Number two is I would say there's the spotter. Oh, that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Spotter, right? So there's two. Three is you simply go, oh, what if we did, that's the extender. And then four is the editor who's a bit arms folded, who's, who's basically says, mm, maybe. <laughs> Those are the four I've seen in my, in my experience that could be the nucleus of something. Is that kind of how it's cast? I love that. I think that's a great description of a lot of the dynamics in this environment because I would argue that all four on the team are all four of those things at any given mm. moment. Right. There, you know, imagine taking four Ernie Shanks and putting them all in a room, you know, God willing, and having them 
post ideas that then inspire other ideas in them. You just can't help it. If you're an idea person, hearing another idea will inspire you to think. It's a knee-jerk, natural mm. reaction. And that's what we're trying to capture and bottle in this process. And Asha, you brought up an interesting point earlier that I just want to build on quickly, which is, this is early on, but one of the female freelancers that I had recruited pulled me aside one, one day and said, you know what I love about this platform? We're all reduced to a typeface. Mm. <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting, especially coming from a woman, that all of those nasty human dynamics that happen in a natural brainstorm when you're all in person are eliminated. You know, there's no gender bias in that case. There's no sexual orientation bias. There's no office politics. There isn't some loudmouth who thinks he's got the smartest ideas and doesn't. And there isn't the introvert who does, who won't say anything. You know, all those human dynamics are gone on this platform. Mm. So just like people are empowered in social media to say things they might not otherwise say, that same dynamic is happening on Ideasicle X where they feel uninhibited because they are literally reduced to a typeface. And so I think a lot of those social mm. dynamics get out of the way and it actually improve idea generation over an in-person brainstorm. Yeah, that's so interesting because there's a lot of talk about that, you know, in the world of diversity, equity, inclusion, and as we work to get different voices and different types of voices in rooms, right, especially in rooms where ideas are being generated. And it's really interesting kind of this nuance because some of those really human things can, you know, often work in, in a very beneficial way, especially if you're trying to come up with ideas to connect with humans, right? But at the same time, they can be inhibiting in a manner. And so you think about even the opportunity for diversity of thought and removing, you know, opportunities to remove some of those sometimes unconscious biases that can prohibit us from getting to the best possible place. You know, I, th I think that's a really interesting nuance there. It is, and it's part of the skill that agencies will develop in using this platform. And it will take time to get good at it. It is, you know, it's like playing golf or something. But part of that is figuring out who the right people will be for a particular assignment. Right. And making sure mm. that, like to your point about diversity of thought, that you really expand that, that you don't have all the same people in the, quote, virtual room. You have very different people, and, and you can do that in a lot of different ways. It could be their disciplines. Like I said earlier, you could have a PR person, a couple creatives, and a cultural anthropologist. Or you could have a couple promotions people and somebody who knows the automotive business because it's an automotive thing, and then some wild card just to make sure you've got people thinking about this in paradigming, smashing ways. You know, so that's, it's sort of Bill Belichickian, mm. um, the, you know, from a, a customer's perspective, from an agency's perspective, in putting together these teams. Right. All right. So all right, I just want to back up for one second. How does this actually work? So who hires you, like, or is the river just running over there on Ideasicle X and you can just jump in, hey, we're doing tacos today. We're coming up with taco <laughs> ideas. Yeah, so the way it works is an agency will subscribe to the service and they can do that in a couple of different ways. One is pay as you go. So you can have it for a month with unlimited mm. projects during that month and you may not need it all the time and that's for that mm. kind of an agency. For larger agencies who need a continuous flow, you can sign up for an annual plan 
And with that annual plan, you can actually add more annual plans. So you can send them around to the various departments. You might want one in planning. You might want one in every account with each creative director, however you want to divvy those out. But it all gets centralized with that original account. And then when you're ready to do a project, you open up a new project within the platform. You recruit the team right from the platform. And you can, again, you can pull people that are in the database already, or you can invite people that are your go-to freelancers now through email right from the platform. And then they will be invited into the platform, which by the way, is how it grows organically. You have Mm. to be invited to be in this platform. That's just a rule. We feel that if an agency believes in a freelancer, then that's good enough for us. So if you don't find the people you want in the platform, you can use your own employees or even a mix. You know, maybe you just want a car guy, a car guy mm. who's got a great pedigree in creativity and in automotive on a team working with three of your own people just to have that anchor ground the rest of the team in the automotive business if you don't have that experience as an example. Right. Mm. Something I think is interesting is the output as well. Like it kind of looks like a blog, like it, the, the way that the interface is, is very, Because it's like we can find ways to meet, but the thing that always is the secret sauce is like, how do you organize that thinking into something that's actually usable? And like, I just saw a visual of kind of what that output interface piece looks like. And I'm like, okay, that's useful. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. So it captures the ideas dynamically as they're posted and everyone on the team gets pinged Mm -hmm. when an idea is posted and then they're invited to go in and make it better. And so that keeps it the flow constant. But at the end of the project, to your point about output, you can then output the entire stream, if you want, into a series of PDFs, one PDF per idea. So it's easy for you to then divvy them up within the team. Or you can select your favorite few and export those the same way. But the idea is to get them in in a way that you can use them internally and develop them for presentation. I think that's probably your creative mind because sometimes these types of ideas often, the idea of this type of business often comes from sometimes a business type of person, not to say, you know, but your creative mind of thinking like, this has to be nice to look at for people to be able to do something with it afterwards, I I think is great. True. And, And I would build on that and say, I'm trying to avoid the temptation to make it do all kinds of things. Right. There are so many SaaS platforms right now that do so much stuff that it's paralyzing to even look at the interface. And so what I wanted to do is focus a thousand percent on idea generation and that's it. If anything gets in the way of that, I'm not going to do it. That doesn't mean I can't improve this over time. We're going to include AI in the future and all kinds of new features and tools to help the freelancers get their ideas out. But I don't want scope creep on this. This is going to be about idea generation forever. Wow. So, I mean, part of me looks at this and thinks, well, if I were a media person and very good at media, I wouldn't even need to, I could open up an agency because you'd be my creative department. I mean, is this, I don't know, is this the end of the creative department as we know it? And I don't, I'm not saying that is good or bad. I'm just throwing it out there as an observation. Yeah, I I completely doubt that. I I think there's always going to be a need for a creative department who has an expertise in the business that they represent. No one's going to, to your point earlier about the spotter, nobody's going to be a better spotter than your creative directors, your planners, or your account people that work on that business. 
And that's why they could make sense to be working on these projects along with outsiders. Again, they kind of ground the ideas into the realities of those businesses. But I think there could be a shift happening if you think about the evolution that agencies have gone through over the last year because of COVID, because of remote work. It was just panic a year ago, and Mm. rightly so for agencies. It's an intimate business. It's a very human business. And all of a sudden, you're going to be dehumanized by becoming remote around the country. And so that was scary for agencies. But you know what? Agencies have responded big time. And it's Mm. not surprising. They're the most creative industry in the whole wide world. By the way, panic is our business model. Well, yeah. It's a lot of business model. But look at how agencies have responded. Look at how creative departments have responded. I think they've surprised themselves with how productive they could be in a remote environment. Mm. And while I didn't design this product because of COVID, because of remote work, I was working on this years ago. It just so happens that COVID and remote work has normalized the process of working remotely and made people realize it's not a sacrifice. In some ways, it's even better. In fact, I'm I'm sorry, I love this topic. I'll I'll keep going all day. But if you look at what agencies, how they've communicated better with their clients just because of Zoom. You know, we all complain about Zoom. But at the same time, before COVID, agencies were emailing, calling, and the occasional in-person meeting. Now, every interaction is face-to-face. And you got to think that's better than email. And so in some ways, I think agencies have learned quite a lot. And I hope they take a lot of what they learned into the future. Yeah, I think that's really important. I was reading an an interview with you and and you actually went so far as to say that remote work might be far superior to your point that you're making. And I think it's interesting, especially in this creative world that we sort of occupy because the personality of someone who works in a creative place, the perception is that they don't want to just be at home all the time. You know what I mean? And, and for sure, certain people are like that. But especially when I you know, have some conversations with folks in our creative department, overwhelmingly folks are feeling more productive in certain teams, right? And having the option. So ha- because our industry is also as such, especially in the U.S., especially in New York and in, in big markets, our industry as such is one where oftentimes folks are at work more than they're at home. You feel like you don't even have control over your own life a lot of times because it's like, if I go do this errand or go do this task, I'm, you know what I mean, somehow letting my team down or something. And so it's really interesting that being able to take your power back by working remotely and having the option to collaborate in person when such a time it's safe to do so, this more hybrid model feels like it's kind of here to stay, you know, and it's interesting that you were inventing Ideasicle, Ideasicle X before this phenomena, and now it's just ever more useful, I think, you know. Yeah, my biggest fear for agencies, to your point, Asha, is the ability to maintain culture. Right. No, because what is an agency but its people? And what are the people but a collective that all believe in something? And so how do you maintain that in a remote environment? So I hope it goes hybrid soon. And I agree with you completely that, that hybrid is a good thing. Because what does that tell you? You can hire anybody now. You don't have to just hire somebody that will move to New York if you're a New York agency. 
You could hire somebody in Albuquerque who's really, really talented and has what you need and they can just stay right there. And and you know, because it's proven now that that's okay. So I think the hybrid thing is going to be where it's at. And I do worry about the culture thing. Yeah. And uh, to me, what is also interesting about this tied to culture and tied back to the positive gatekeepers, the people with the knowledge of the brand, uh, the people with knowledge of the agency and this, that, and the other thing. It struck me that this is a little bit like a Hollywood model, Hmm. that you would have your producer at Paramount, you know, you'd have your, you know, your Bob Evans type who wanted to make the film. And then it was, hey, get, you know, get me Milius, get me Milius, boy, you know, and like that group would then form around a script and then they would create the production company and bam, this caravan is out there but the gatekeeper still owns what material is going to be uh, appropriate for the project. I think you're right. I think it is very similar in that sense. And in fact, while I position IdeaCycle X to advertising agencies, that's really, and in-house agencies, that's really my own limitation because I know Mm. advertising and and it's easier for me to do that. I could totally see Hollywood using this platform for exactly what you're talking about. They paint themselves into a corner and a TV show from a a plot standpoint. How do we get out of this? We'll bring in four freelance writers and have them get you out of that with a bunch of ideas. I could see it working in science. I could see it with NASA. You brought up NASA earlier. There are countless ways that I think this platform could be used. I just happen to be focusing on advertising now because I know it. Well, well, welcome to the, the world of line extensions. We will we'll be partners with you. <laughs> and yeah, let's get some of that NASA money. They're spending some shekels getting people up to Mars. I mean, it could definitely be used in comedy, particularly writing. When we think about, for example, late night shows, right? That's literally a scrum mm. of 10 people trying to write as many jokes as they can in like a three to four hour span. And then it's like somebody furiously typing up <laughs> and organizing it and giving it to the to the bosses, right? <laughs> like, wow, like, I think this could, I think you might uh, enhance some people's lives with this. I think we should take that one offline, though. <laughs> it, it could turn people into superhumans, or at least, because you don't have to tell anybody you're using it. Right? <laughs> right. That's true. You sound kind of Elon right now, though. <laughs> no, this is great. No, I think we, we do it as an experiment. We make it a documentary and a Netflix series, and okay. then we turn it into something Netflix can then buy for us afterwards. Where do I sign? (laughs) And by the way, Ideasical X would be a very cool name for a a Netflix show. Yeah, or a superhero or something. (laughs) It sounds very Musk. (laughs) Very good. So we we were, uh, you know, as we were prepping for our conversation with you, we were thinking, okay, there's probably a lot of good applications where, you know, Ideasical works really well. Where does Ideasical X fail or not work well? Fails maybe too arch. Yeah, that's a good question. I would say any kind of creative assignment you would never give to a committee is the kind of assignment you would never give to an Ideasicle X team. Mm. For example, if you need to write a script, don't give it to a committee. Mm. If you need to design a logo, don't give it to a committee. Mm. But if you need somebody to brainstorm yourself out of a problem, give it to Ideasicle X team. If you need to just come up with big campaign platforms where they can Mm. describe, you know, we have this woman flow and she's in a white seamless store in the sky and we package up 
all the different kinds of insurance so it makes it more tangible. You know, that kind of an idea, of course that's for progressive, can be described and then you guys as an agency can then take that and go blow mm. it out. So it's definitely not for everything and you're not going to get finished comps out of this. You're mm. going to get raw hopefully brilliant ideas and you'll get 40 or 50 ideas in a session and mm. you know not everyone will be great of course but sometimes those ideas will inspire your teams to come up with even better ideas mm. so there's a cascading effect and and I believe in all of that i mean all we want is the agencies to come up with better ideas mm. more quickly more inexpensively love that i love that booster notion i think that that's powerful yeah Speaking of boosters, rocket boosters, we're going to pivot to your journey and how you became the Elon Musk of <laughs> idea generation. Tell us what your life was before this creative entrepreneurship endeavor that, that you've taken on. Well, the short story is when I got into advertising, I chickened out. I wanted to be a creative and I was like, I could get a job easier as an account guy. And so I got a job as an account guy. I was very successful at it, but it was always kind of a frustrated creative in an account guy body because I've always loved creativity. Mm. I love psychology. I love studying how creativity works and what improves your creativity. There's all kinds of scientific studies that I won't bore you with that I really get off on. So I was in advertising forever as sort of this, what I thought to be sort of a creative account guy. And worked at a lot of great agencies, was frustrated at some, loved others, learned a lot from all of them. And ultimately, Ideasicle happened because of Arnold Worldwide. I was the head of new business there and did nothing but pitching. Mm -hmm. And as you guys know, when you're in pitch mode, you need ideas, you need them now. Mm -hmm. You might have the best pitch team in the world, but you need to blow out that promotion and they don't have time to do it. <laughs> so I created this intranet site at Arnold at the time where it went out to everybody. It was crowdsourcing really, but went out to mm. everybody within Arnold and said, how do we dimensionalize the concept of fun? We we're pitching Carnival Cruise. How do mm. we dimensionalize that? Nice. And we got, you know, hundreds of ideas from people, most of which were crap, but we would get some gems as well mm. that we could use. And in that case, somebody said, interview clowns. <laughs> and we did this whole video. It was a pitch winning idea because we went out and re-interviewed, let's see, not clowns, but video game designers, mm. roller coaster engineers, mm. comedians like Asha, you know, all <laughs> kinds of people whose business was fun. Yeah. And mm. that great idea. ended up being a pitch winning video. But anyway, so and we called that the innovation station, that little intranet mm. site. But a, a woman, a creative director I respect a ton, Mary Webb, pulled me aside once at Arnold said, can you imagine if you pointed that mechanism to all the people you've worked with at your past agencies? Mm. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Why, yes, I can imagine that. <laughs> yes, it has a You're gonna screen cap your face right there. That, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was, it really brought it home. And that was uh, when I started figuring out how to do the idea cycle mm. thing. So that's got me to here. Mm. Amazing. Well, that is a good journey and it's a good story. I think this thing's really powerful. And uh, I think that something's happened in COVID as we all know, but I think something's happening in creative departments and the demand from clients, like you say, to have the volume of ideas. I think it's gonna make Ideasicle X, the moment is now, this is your moment, which I think is great. So I'm thrilled that we could have you on the show. This is the moment where we, we ask you to give us some advice 
And I think given what we've been chatting about here and being a recovering chief creative officer myself, uh, <laughs> what would you tell a chief creative officer who's out there now, who is hopefully listening to the show? Well, I think I'd build on what we were talking about earlier in that last year and up to now, agencies were forced to change paradigms. And it was painful at the time, but in many ways it was liberating, you know, with the Zoom chats, things like that. So my advice to creative directors would be, don't be afraid to continue that. Don't be afraid to continue to change paradigms. Business as usual is gone forever. So embrace that. Don't resist it. Don't be afraid of it. Continue to reinvent because everyone else is. And it's, you know, by force, you have to. So my advice would be embrace that and continue to reinvent the business. Now you have permission. It's already been reinvented once. So keep it going. I love that. Don't be afraid to change the paradigms. I like it. No, I, I listen, I, there's nothing wrong with the creative revolution number one, thanks to Bill Birnbach and Doyle Dane and that, and that group. But we've been chatting a lot about creative revolution 2.0. And I think it's here now. And I think, Will, your kind of charge to, to take up the crusade, to reinvent this thing, it's now. I think you're right. I hope you're right. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, Will Burns, thank you so much for being on our show. And we really appreciate you sharing uh, Idea Cycle X with us. My pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Will, so much for joining us. And to our listeners, make sure that you follow the Disruptor Series on LinkedIn and Instagram to stay up to date on all the latest. And don't forget, we've got an e-newsletter and you can join that right from the link in our episode description. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Disruptor Series podcast, Adweek's Agency Podcast of the Year. Craving more disruption? Visit us at tbwashydayny.com.